turn to God's word. Today we're reading from James chapter 1, verses 19 to 27. My brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Thank you, James. Thank you, Rod. Uh, let me pray for us before we look together at God's word. Lord God, uh, thank you for this challenging pa passage of scripture uh, as it challenges us to look at our lives and to reflect on what you, how you call us to live as members of your people. Uh, may it shape how we behave and may it be to the honor of the gospel and the glory of your name. Amen. What is true religion? Uh, perhaps you'd say uh, true religion is Christianity uh, as opposed to the other world religions. Uh, maybe you'd want to go further and to clarify that true religion is not just about being one of the 52.1% of Australians who ticked the Christian box on the 2016 census. Maybe you'd want to say true religion involves being committed as Christians, uh, being involved in a church. But the Bible would go even further than that in defining what is true religion. The line dividing true from false runs right through the Christian church. Among those who profess Christian faith, there will be those who are, in the words of this letter, deceiving themselves. Uh, to use the words of verse 26, their religion is worthless. And that is a distinction that we find very clearly drawn in this letter of James. And it makes uncomfortable and challenging reading. Uh, today's passage challenges us to look hard at ourselves, uh, to make sure that we have the real thing. 
And the key mark of true religion in the letter of James is summed up in verse 22. It says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So true Christianity, true religion, involves doing. Uh, It's practical. Uh, And we must be action men and women. We must walk the walk as well as talk the talk. And we're going to think together this morning what that actually looks like. And what we're going to see in our passage is that it is very uh, practical. Uh, It reflects uh, everyday life. Look at, for example, verse 19. My dear brothers, uh, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. It's very, very practical. Did you notice the curious phrase in verse 21? Uh, The word planted in you. Do you realize that if you're a Christian here today, you have an implant? You do. The implanted word. Uh, What does that mean? Well, to rightly understand this, we need to just back up a bit to last week's passage. Because last week's passage ended with this verse, verse 18, which said this. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. That's actually a description of what happened when we became a Christian. We were brought forth by God as a new creation. We are a new creation. But how did that come about? Through the word of truth. But verse 21 tells us that the word of truth was not just something intellectual out there that we heard. The word of truth is something that has been planted in us. And it's generated new life from within us. It's actually dynamic. But the point is this. This planted in word needs to be a lived out word. Uh, Verse 20 ends by referring to the righteous life that God requires. And if this seed of the word has generated new life underground, there will be evidence of that in the green shoots above ground. The implanted word in our hearts will produce the green shoots of righteousness in our changed lives. What sort of things? Again, verse 19, let's look at it again. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. True religion will be reflected in our speech. Christians will be, we're told, quick to hear and slow to speak. Christians should be good listeners. Being a good listener is one way of showing love and respect for people. Uh, Christians should be slow to speak because they are thinking carefully about what they're going to say. 
Christians should be slow to speak because they're aware that words have great power both for good and for evil. How do you feel when you meet somebody who's the opposite? When you meet somebody who is uh, quick to speak and slow to listen? Somebody who likes the sound of their own voice? Uh, Somebody who goes on about their ideas and opinions and talks endlessly? Somebody who doesn't really listen to what you are saying? They're just thinking what they're going to say next. It doesn't make a very positive impression, does it? You feel, well, this person, they're really only interested in themselves. They're not really interested in me. They're self-centered and they're not truly loving. If we are to live out true religion, uh, we cannot be like that. We must be quick to hear and slow to speak. And it's not just about our social skills, it's about godliness. It's one way we are to live out the implanted word in our hearts. Quick to hear and slow to speak, and also slow to anger. Anger and speaking, of course, go together. When we're angry, we tend to say things we shouldn't. And there is, of course, what's called a righteous anger, but really, 99% of the time, our anger is usually what's called here man's anger which does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So, if we have a short temper, it's important to deal with our temper. It's not acceptable to say, well, that's just me. That's just the way I am. That verse 21 continues very practically. It says this, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Uh, Literally translated, it would say, take off all filthiness. Uh, The images of um, grubby clothes that a homeless person might wear. Filthy clothes which have a repugnant smell. In God's eyes and to God's nostrils, these sins of speech and hearing and anger are like grubby offensive clothes. And we should take them off. We cannot dress like that. Verse 21 ends, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Where does ungodly speech originate? Ungodly speech originates in a proud, self-focused heart. Conversely, the seedbed for godly speech is a humble, others-focused heart. The implanted word needs to be received by a humble, meek heart and then put into practice, lived out. You may have noticed that the word is described as that which can save you. It is as this implanted word is received and lived out that we know that we are saved. Of course, we are not saved by good works but a true faith that saves will produce good works. Uh, To put it another way, we are saved by faith alone, but saving faith never remains alone. A changed life flows from it. So you see, uh, all this talk of practical religion is not really an optional extra. It is integral to salvation. Let's keep going. Uh, and look particularly at this whole notion of being not just hearers of the word, but doers as well. 
Uh, you see, it's possible to think that we're truly Christian when actually we're not. Uh, it's possible, we're told here, to deceive ourselves. Uh, the author of this letter wants to prevent that. And who are those who are kidding themselves? Verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Uh, hearing the word, of course, is important. Uh, we do need to regularly read the Bible ourselves. We need to study it together in home groups. We need to hear it preached on a Sunday morning. Uh, hearing the word is essential, but hearing the word is not sufficient. God's true people are those who also do God's word, who put it into practice. So you see, I could be somebody who never ever misses my daily devotion. Uh, I am there every week at home group. I take notes on a Sunday morning during the sermon. I'm maybe even somebody who preaches on a Sunday uh, in a sermon. But I may be doing all those things but still kidding myself because I'm not putting it into practice. The word has no traction in my life. It doesn't change how I relate to others. I'm still, in effect, wearing the old clothes. And let's face it, uh, it is easily done, isn't it? Uh, just take sermons, for example. After a few years, uh, we may feel that we've heard a lot of it before. And so we start to become sermon critics. We enjoy listening. We appreciate a nice turn of phrase or a good story or a clear structure. And we go away saying, nice sermon. Or conversely, good try, but I don't really think that illustration worked. And it becomes a performance which is assessed and scored. It's like going to a concert, and it's not a new problem. What did Jesus say? Luke 11, verse 28. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Remember what was the difference between the wise and the foolish builders at the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount? Matthew 7, verse 24. It says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the rock. On the sand. And verse 23 gives a great illustration of what we are like if we are hearers of the word only. Verse 23. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now then, uh, when you get up in the morning, uh, I'm sure most of you look in the mirror. It's part of our morning routine, isn't it? And when we look in the mirror, uh, what looks back at us? It's often not a pretty sight. I'll speak for myself. Another bad hair day. Uh, saliva stains where I've been dribbling during the night. And if you're a bloke, then stubble, which makes me look like a convict. And when you ask the question, uh, mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? The answer that comes back is not, you are the fairest, but rather, you've got some work to do. The point of looking in the mirror 
is to see what action needs to be taken. Uh, to wash our hair, uh, to comb it, to put gel on it, to shave, to do whatever we do. We wouldn't look in the mirror, see all that, and then, of course, do nothing. That would be folly. We wouldn't just forget what we look like and head out without doing anything to fix our appearance. But that is what we're doing if we hear the word, but don't actually put it into practice. Again, verse 23, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So, what should we do? Verse 25, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in all that he does. Do you see how God's word of truth is described here? It's described as the perfect law. It's the perfect law because the gospel brings the perfect instructions as to how we are to live, the wisdom of God. Of course, as New Testament believers, we're no longer under the Old Testament law with all its ceremonies, Uh, and civic regulations. But there are still commands to be obeyed and we are still to fulfill the law in its deepest meaning. When we look into God's word, when we look into his perfect law, it's like looking in a mirror and it shows us what it will like and it shows us how far short we fall of it. When we look into the perfect law, we see our sin and we see what needs to change and what we need to take action on. Uh, Did you notice uh, verse 25 says, and continues to do this. Uh, This is the person who is blessed, who continues to do it. When it comes to personality types, uh, some people are classified as thinkers and other people are classified as doers. However, the Bible makes no such distinction when it comes to God's word. We all need to be doers, not just hearers. And so the question I'd pose to each of us today is this, which one are you? When we leave church, some of us will leave as doers and some as hearers only. Well, what sort of things are we talking about when it talks about doing? Uh, What does being a doer look like on the ground? And in the final verses of this passage, James gives us three concrete examples. Controlling the tongue, helping the needy, and not being worldly. So verse 26, controlling the tongue. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. It's not true. So uh, we're back on the tongue again, and the tongue is at the top of James's list as he distinguishes false religion from true religion. Keeping a tight rein on our tongue. Uh, The reins, of course, are the headgear that controls a horse. And therefore, our tongue is pictured here like a powerful racehorse. It's all muscle, and it needs to be controlled. 
And if the tongue is controlled, it can do amazing things. But if the tongue is not controlled, it can wreak havoc. An uncontrolled tongue is incredibly destructive. Uh, It gossips, it slanders, it cuts down others, it lies, it's crude, it boasts, it swears, it nags, it is self-centered babbling about what we've done and what we know. But you do notice that the point being made here is not so much the damage the uncontrolled tongue causes to others, but the damage to the one who speaks it. Verse 26 again, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Uh, Here we have this theme again of self-deception. People whose tongues are not controlled are self-deceived. Such a person may think that they are a Christian, but in reality, they are not. Their religion is worthless. Uh, The word religion here refers to the outward acts of worship, uh, going to church, uh, prayer, attending home groups, giving, uh, serving on rosters. And yet if our tongue is not under control, all of these activities are worthless. Our religion is empty, it is useless, it is profitless, it is meaningless. It is doing us no good. And as far as God is concerned, we might as well stop because there's no point. Such religion is a waste of time. So as we're seeing, James does not beat around the bush. If being a Christian doesn't change how I use my tongue, if it doesn't make a difference to what I say, If it doesn't change how I speak, it's asking some very serious questions as to whether I am truly a Christian. And of course, sadly, churches sometimes have a reputation for being hothouses of gossip and slander. Is that not disturbing? So we need to think before we speak. But uh, in verse 27, uh, James gives us a second example of what being a doer looks like. And it's very practical here again, helping the needy. Verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Uh, If you read the Old Testament, you'll find that orphans and widows occur a lot. Uh, They go often together. Uh, It seems that God has a special concern for these two groups, uh, the fatherless, the orphans, and the widows. And he insists that his people also share his concern for these people. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 20, for example, he commands this. When you beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the alien, the fatherless, and the widow. You see, the orphan and the widow in the ancient world were the two groups of people who were particularly helpless. They were marginalized, they were poor and without power. 
And so these two groups came to represent the helpless person. Was that just true in the Old Testament? Well, of course, the reality is God has not changed and neither have his concerns. He has the same concerns for the helpless and so should his people. Caring for the needy is an essential mark of true religion. Verse 27 says, religion that our God accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress. And so the question is this, who are the needy in the community in which I'm living? How can I reach out to them? How can I serve them? In what way can I operate a ministry of mercy to the needy in my community? And of course, we can care for the needy on a broader scale by supporting organizations that specialize in caring for the needy. And particularly as Christians, we can support organizations which care for the Christian needy because, of course, the secular world is not going to give money to those organizations like Open Doors, Voice of the Martyrs, the Barnabas Fund. By giving to those funds, we can enable them to care for the needy in the world, in the darkest places of the world. And the third and final example of what being a doer looks like is in, found in verse 27 at the very end, and it's not to be worldly. Uh, verse 27 again, religion that our God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Uh, it could be translated as to keep oneself spotless. We live and we work in the world, but we mustn't let the world rub off on us. Uh, the world, of course, here means uh, non-Christian society, which lives without reference to God. Uh, we must live in the world, but not be of the world, and not start to imbibe its values, like materialism, the love of money and possessions, or its standards for our sexual conduct. Uh, moral purity is a mark of pure religion. So in conclusion, would you say you're a Christian? Uh, would other people consider you a Christian? Uh, the key question, of course, is, does God consider you a true Christian? Christianity, which is pure and faultless before God, is one in which the word planted within is lived out. It's one in which we are not just hearers, but doers. It's a Christianity which is seen in a controlled tongue, in helping the needy, and in not imbibing the standards of the world. If I'd asked you to write down at the beginning of the service three key hallmarks of true religion, what would you have come up with? Would they be on your list? Godly speech, social concern, and moral purity. Because this is on God's list. And without this, our religion is worthless. So may we be doers of the word and not just hearers only, deceiving ourselves. Let me pray for us. 
Heavenly Father, uh, the Apostle James does not mince his words in this passage. Uh, in many ways, this passage is hard-hitting. Uh, it is a passage which is like a smelling salt uh, to wake us out of our lethargy, where we've become sleepy as Christians, to help us to ask those searching questions. Am I truly living out my Christian faith, and what does it look like? Heavenly Father, there is scope for all of us uh, to live out our Christian faith more deeply. We pray that we would put what we see here into practice. But also we pray uh, that there are people here who have not yet truly put their trust in Christ and have that implanted word within, which, change, which results in that changed life without. We pray that you would enable them to see that and to put that right and to receive that implanted word with a humble heart and with a deeper, uh, with a true joy in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Saviour and Lord. Amen. Amen. Our closing song is a song of dedication where we're singing, of course, uh, that we would live out our Christian faith. Be like Christ in all we do. May the mind of Christ my Saviour live in, thee, in me from day to day. Indeed, in controlling all I do and say. Please stand.